and we're live. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Balance Meal Podcast. It is a dad talk episode, and I have who I'm calling New Andrew here today. Hi, Andrew. Hi, Roy. And I'm calling you New Andrew because you're in my phone because when I met you the first time, I was having coffee with my other friend, Andrew. And so you've just always been New Andrew. I'm a new Andrew compared to what I was <laughs> 10 years ago. There's no doubt about it. So we'll go with it. <laughs> that meeting you, meeting you years ago was hilarious because I I, rem- I, I remember things a lot more in depth than most people. Yes. It just always happens. And, I remember things a lot less in depth than the average person. And I was, so. yeah, I was having coffee with Andrew who... I mean, he's been on here a while. A lot of people who've listened know him. And he's actually living in uh, Richmond Hill now, up in Richmond. Like at the yeah, church? Yeah, he's working with the retreat. Oh, amazing. Yeah, so he moved, that place. he moved his family and all that stuff up there. Wow. So, but yeah, so we were having coffee, and then you just liked what we were talking about. You just like, <laughs> you just like, hey... I've been eavesdropping on you this whole time. I just want to say I'm excited for everything you're talking about. That's right. That was before I even, or had you met my sister? Mm -mm. No, okay. No, that's a whole other part of it that we'll talk about. I love it. And and then we ended up having a drink at Esoteric, and you don't remember that. (laughs) Which is, it's awesome. It's not personal to you, as long as we're clear. (laughs) No, I don't take it personal at all. It was just, it was, just, it was really funny because, like, not many people know, or not like Andrew. And I, I remember what we were talking about because that's kind of our big thing is like masculinity and, you know, men like, you know, being okay with their emotions and like learning to live with emotions and stuff like that. Mm. And then like we're talking about that and Richard Rohr and all of these really big questions that I'm I have and things and so to have someone just sitting next to us that like knows it and then just like engages with it was like bananas. That's awesome. <laughs> I didn't realize that, that first Andrew had uh-huh. been on this podcast. And- yeah. He was, um, he was actually the first dad talk I ever did. Oh, amazing. Yeah. He, um, we know each other because our wives are, chi- are, are both chiropractors. We met before like, my wife knew his wife, but we had never had a formal introduction, and he just like would come to Zeke's and work, and so we just met through there, and then we're like, oh, my wife's a chiropractor. Oh, my wife's one too, and then it was like, boom, here we go. Oh, I like masculinity and spirituality. Oh, yeah. Me too. Yeah, it was the whole thing. Yeah. Nice. Hey, when was the last time you cried, man? Right, right. <laughs> so, wait, why? So, is it, this is about fathering, this podcast? No, this podcast is about a few things. Okay. What we're specifically with this one, which I call it a dad talk because when I was, when Carly was pregnant, I did realize that there was no community for fathers. Mm. There's a community, a community for women. Mm. There's automatic, like they're able to talk about their feelings, what's going on, all this stuff. But then like with, with guys, I mean, we don't have the resources and tools or skills to like voice what's what's going on and i mean it was incredibly like i mean it's not 
at all the same experience, but it's still like us versus our, you know, mothers, but it's still like, it's still intense. It's still life changing. And, and mm. I had a lot of questions and a lot of feelings, you know, and I was also going through my, my dad died a month before Jasper was born. So there was like no community. And I was like, well, why is there no community? And then it was like, we don't know how to talk. And like, that's weird. Cause I feel like I know how to like engage in this side of me. And a lot of it was because of my dad and who he was and how he was. So I wanted to have a place where like, I can talk about that and also talk about like, what does it mean to be a man nowadays? Cause my view of a man was different than most people. Cause my dad was sensitive, artistic, creative. He was a choral director in dramas and operas. And cool. so, yeah. And, uh, he just, it was just different. So like what I thought was a man wasn't, tra wasn't the traditional view. Yeah. And so there was always this weird okay. like thing. And so it's my exploration of that. And it's also a place for me to talk about my journey in, in, uh, God and religion and spirituality and like my journey through the church and what's going on. So there's, those are kind of like Great. the four basic things that I talk about on yeah. this. Okay. So yeah, but well, this, then I'm right at home. yeah, <laughs> I think you are. Yeah. It's good. Thanks for having me here. Mm -hmm. And it's called the balanced male. Mm -hmm. It's called the balanced male because, um, I haven't said this story in a, like years. Uh, but so like I was at, at the beach one time with some friends of ours and uh, I was talking about something I was about, I was crying or something. It's like, you know, I said something like I'm the gooey center of the relationship, like the gooey emotional center. And you know, it's weird and I don't know how to deal with it in this, not deal with, I forget the whole conversation in years since I told the story, but like, it's like, I don't know. I'm just easily cry. I, I just cry very easily. And mm. she's like, it's okay. You're just, you're just balanced. Mm. And I was like, huh. And we, we talked about that for a little bit. And so that's where that kind of, the name comes from. Okay. Only because uh, it's been a theme for me all this year. Uh -huh. Just the word balance has come mm -hmm. back again and again. And just maybe outside of specifically a masculine journey, but just what does it mean to be balanced mm -hmm. inward to like internally to externally mm -hmm. um, above to below um, left to right, any kind of balance. Uh, what does it mean to exist in a balanced state and why? So I was really intrigued by that mm -hmm. title. And I would certainly say that, you know, emotional health is part of being a balanced. Mm -hmm. so. I think that, yeah, I think, um, we don't give ourselves enough credit in that area. I think the research that I've done and the books that I've read, you know, boys and men are just as emotional mm. as as women and we just are ne we're never looked at as that we just got put into a role mm. and so we don't talk and then it just we're not given healthy expressions or, yeah. or ways to health or to express our emotions healthy yeah in a way that isn't destructive or a way that isn't us retreating or hiding or something like that and I saw it more and more as a teacher when I would watch these little boys just losing their minds and not being able to articulate what they're feeling and they're breaking pencils, lashing out, mm -hmm. those kind of things. 
and they just don't feel like they can do anything else but that. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I had the chance to hang out with a couple of guys in like their early 20s lately. Mm -hmm. And one of them said that he doesn't really identify with masculinity or like being a man. Mm -hmm. And he's straight and he's Mm -hmm. cisgender. And I did not know what he meant then. You know, well, if you're straight and you're cisgender, then what what does that mean to you? And he basically was just referring to the entire, you know, male complex that's been foisted upon so many mm-hmm. people in our culture, and and just he was kind of willing to just throw out the whole word, mm-hmm. like man, yeah, um, because of just how messed up it's become. And it was really just it encouraged me that. He felt like he had been at least, and maybe it was because he's from Montreal and it's a really awesome, am I not close enough? I was just making sure it was on. Okay. And it's, you know, he's got a great supportive community for questions like this, but also I just think it's a little bit generational too. Like he, and I see my son maybe asking questions a little bit more easily than Mm -hmm. I was ever allowed to do. (laughs) So, yeah. Um, it encouraged me to hear him say, talking about it in that way, to be asking a question in such a way um, without being worried about what that could mean or, or worry about being mocked about it or, or at all un- just destabilized by mm-hmm. those questions in himself. Yeah, it's, we're definitely in a place where that what it means to be a man is being rejected, what used to mean being a man is being rejected and a lot of people don't want to identify with that and i get it um but i think that we've just been it's just it's always been like two roads you're either this or you're that with regards to like your feelings your emotions uh even like but it was always such such an interesting thing like you know crying is a girl thing mm-hmm. like even artistic stuff is a girl thing mm-hmm. you know we had if you want to be a man you do these things mm-hmm. and so i don't know what the definition is i don't know i know that i feel like a man i feel this in my like in my my soul but i'm not the i don't play sports mm-hmm. which is weird to think that like that's an identifier but it was even being time. able to talk about sports as an identifier yeah like if you're if you're a guy then you like these things yeah sure and i'm like i'm a guy but i like to take long walks and mm-hmm. i'm into listening to music and sitting and reading a good book and and these things and i don't look at everything as something that needs to be conquered yeah you know or like even how i view women you know i mean my dad I mean, my mom was was a farm girl, so if there was if there was a quote unquote masculine energy in our house, it was my mom. Yeah. And so, like, my view of what women were was different mm-hmm. because I saw this this lady who like mowed yards and mended fences and used to break horses for her whole life. And I'm still scared of, even though she has dementia and she's small. That's but very cool that she did that. Yeah. So it's like, and I'm not so like, 
And it's weird because I'm not threatened by a woman's strength. I guess it's because that's what I saw. Like, that's something that I desire, Mm -hmm. which is why I'm with the woman I'm with. Yeah. You know, someone who built built her practices and stuff like that and strength. So I don't know. It feels silly to mention these things, these, these outward things, but in a lot of ways, that's just what it meant. And we were also so distant from like things like the birth and things like our, the kids needs. Yeah. You know, there was a distance. Yeah. That was their job. The woman's job. The woman nurtures. We provide. You know? So that's why I'm doing this. Well, that's great. (laughs) I think this is the first time I've ever done a podcast. Cool. Well, I'm glad to to be your first. Yeah. I still have never listened to a podcast. A podcast or mine? A. Oh, wow. Really? Interesting. So I, for some reason, I'm just such a visual learner and, Uh and I get kind of dissociated when I listen to, so if it's just a monologue, then I can do that. Mm-hmm. But, but for some reason, a po- like it'd be nice maybe, but it doesn't, nothing, nothing sticks. It just goes right through. So I kind of got to read to put it into my head. Yeah. My wife, however, listens to podcasts all the time. Do you tell people that you don't listen to podcasts and they give you that? Oh my God. How do you not listen to podcasts? Yeah, but I, I don't know. It's like when you quit Instagram, you, like slowly you get used to, yeah. to people being like, well, then how do you know anything? If you don't listen to Instagram, whatever. (laughs) You're right. I it's I'm I'm done. Just just write me off. No, I think that um. I, I enjoy. The podcast space, more than anything, just because, the long form conversations are, I think, how we're gonna get all sorts of information now mm-hmm. and i enjoy like long form conversations because you learn way more about someone and something than you would with like a five minute clip and i 100 percent support it i yeah. think it's the it's the way to go it's at least a step toward authentic you know understanding for sure and there's... i just want to interrupt because my friends and I call this the breath of God. <laughs> Did you get it? Yeah. Should I do it again? Do it again. It's or it's like mother's milk. Yeah. The popping of the bottle. And we do need to we do Only need Red to... Breast makes that particular sound. Oh, it does? Yeah. Yeah, we do need to say that we're drinking uh Red Breast. I did a podcast. I did a dad talk last night uh and it was it was unfortunately a Zoom one, so it wasn't as you're doing that many podcasts? That's amazing. You were just doing one last night? Yeah. You're prolific. I'm not. I'm no. That's so cool. Thank, well, yeah, I believe that to be true. Thank you. Awesome. I appreciate that. Yeah, I've done, Um, this is probably the 40-something episode. Oh, my God. Yeah, this is the fourth one in three weeks. Wow, man. Yeah, if you look, I have, like, the goals, What's what's what I'm working on, um, things like that. Yeah, this is a thing. I'm glad that uh, I'm surprising. That's cool, man. Yeah. That's why I quit my job to do this. Oh, hell yeah. Uh-huh. I'm really glad to be, to be doing it with you. 
For well you know that it's a fool who plays it cool by making his world a little colder. Yes, I just said that to my son today, uh-huh. man. He got this thing in the mail that said he's I get they sent home a postcard. They sent him a postcard mm-hmm. and it basically said we caught your son helping out a new student, you know, find their water bottle mm-hmm. when they couldn't find it and he exhibited, you know, they like checked off a box like this characteristic mm-hmm. and generosity and thoughtfulness or whatever. Which is quite awesome to get that from your kid's school, uh, or that they even have a you know a program such as that. But I brought it up and said, "This is, um, oh, this is so neat." And he and he just wanted. He was like, "No, no, it's nothing." Mm-hmm. Or like, "I like I want to shred that." And that, the first thing that came to my head, and I just said it out loud. I was like, "Don't be so cool, man. Just <laughs> stop being cool. It's all right yeah. to have gotten this." You mm-hmm. know? So. He's at a gender, you know, he's like at a hectic age. I mean, being 12 and yeah. going into middle school, but, but still that was, that was how I thought about that. That quote is exactly uh-huh. what I meant. Like, don't make everything a little colder, man. Yeah. I think that I'm not a huge Beatles fan. Um, but is it, is it a Beatles quote? Yeah. That's from a uh, Hey Jude. Oh, nice. Okay. And I don't know, I, you know, I'm I'm constantly thinking about the words that I'm saying, you know, being in this space of like putting things out there, but also like what I'm saying about people and to people. And I don't know, there's enough people doing that, making it colder. There's enough people being angry. There's enough people trying to burn it all down. And it's like, I don't know. Let me try the other way. I think that might work too, <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's it's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's what's funny. Yeah. Um, it's just very attractive to have a let go. Yeah. I, I'm excited that you're here. Cause also like our lives are so intertwined by your family. It's true. It's true. <laughs> like just, just how, you know, I was telling the story, um, how like I met, you know, how like your family met Carly and I and all that stuff and, you know, moving here and, you know, you're a part of a church that I'm a part of and that was so big that nobody knows about it. And like two streets down behind us is, you know, your brother-in-law who went to our, the church out here. And then we become fast friends because of that. And then it's Mm -hmm. like, but I had met your your brother, or I had met you before I met her, and it's just like... Oh, wait, did you guys go to Grace? No. Wait. Jim went to the our, the big, the church that I, you know... the Before oh, H. No, it was called the ICOC. ICOC, okay, okay. Yeah. That's right. Okay. We had, yeah, we had churches in every, uh, every major yes. city. Okay, copy uh-huh. that. Okay. So Jim was a part of that growing up. That's right. And I was a part of it growing up. And, and that's so, how you guys ended up connecting. Yeah. Because, okay. I mean, you know, Carly knew him from high school and all that right. crap. But uh, the story is so funny because she was sitting with Lindsay. And she Lindsay was like, she was trying, I think she was trying to invite Carly to Grace. You know, being nice. She's like, do you, you know, go to church anywhere? And she, my Carly was like, well, um, 
my husband was a part of a church that was called a cult, so we're kind of like, no. <laughs> and she was like, me too. And she was like, wait, what's the name of it? And Carly had texted me, and I said it, and she was, Lindsay was like, oh my God, that was it. Blah, 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 blah. And, <laughs> That's you funny. know, we just kind of lost it. And oh, then, man. you know, when you're a part of something like that, to have someone that's in it, and you can kind of like mention things. I mean, we talked, Jim and I talked for like an hour and a half, and then Carly oh and Lindsay were off somewhere else. And they were just watching us talk and like, you know, saying the little sayings and like these things that no one else gets. And so, but yeah, we, we're, we're pretty close now. And then, and then I was like, oh my God, that's, I saw a picture of you. And that's when I was like, oh my God, like that, who, why is that guy on your fridge? And she's like, that's my brother. Oh, and I was like, okay. <laughs> that's your brother. And I've had this whole like thing. And so nice man it's pretty funny it is mm-hmm. so yeah so are you for me tonight now are you ticking off a pillar talk and mm-hmm. other or a dad talk dad talk i'm gonna t- tick off a dad talk what is a pillar talk so i talk about my quest for balance uh-huh. or or finding like my view of balance has changed in the sense of I look at balance like I look at like a ship on the ocean, mm-hmm. you know, like during a storm, you know, the ship is going to move and it's going to be like tilted one way. And so I want to be able to, and I want the ship needs to be able to weather the storms, weather the waves, those kind of things. And so for me, I want to be able to weather all the storms of life. And so I need, I looked at like, what is it that I need? And there are these four areas that I need to engage in throughout the week in order for me to feel balanced, feel fulfilled, or have have what I need to show up for my family, show up for life. Mm-hmm. When I was teaching, show up for the kids. And so there's like, I always have to engage in something physical. I need to be working on that. Um, whether it's running or working out or just like, now it's my nutrition and it's like talking to all these functional medicine doctors and taking blood tests to figure out what are these big issues but like engaging in the physical there's something mental so it's usually i need to be reading or like engaging in something that is like one of the eternal questions that i have you know what is life you know new things stuff like that the spiritual and that's my engagement with all that stuff mm-hmm. it's talking about it's writing about it, reading books about it, like you see with the Peter Rollins and the Rob Bells, and I'm reading a Ram Das book about the Bhagavad Gita and stuff like that. And then there's the emotional, and that's like therapy, um, which I'm a huge advocate for. I think everyone should be talking to someone. Uh, it's, it's, it's like engaging with my wife, and my son so like those things and so if i'm engaging with those things those are my pillars those are what keep mm-hmm. me afloat i'm just interested to can i interrupt yeah that's fine so mm-hmm. wonderful pillars but when you said the spiritual one mm-hmm. you said reading and you mentioned a, a lot of like intellectual disciplines mm-hmm. when you said your spiritual life. So I'm oh, just wondering like there's also meditating, there's also mm-hmm. prayer, there's mm-hmm. also times of silence. There's also kind of listening mm-hmm. for like what it, you know, listening for it. Whatever that thing is, 
you know. Um, my view of God has changed dramatically since I've left that church. I think that the God that I was shown was a lie. Um, and so there's a lot of different things that I'm thinking about with that. And even with spiritual, I mean, music, I was, I was like, I was fucking transcending on the ride home from taking Jasper to school, listening to a song, you know, and it's, it's like, it's like that kind of engagement with those things. Oh yeah. And like, for me, the ocean, yeah, Mm -hmm. 100% spiritual. And so like, for me, those are just, those are my pillars. And so I think every person should give a voice to whatever it is their needs are and just engage in that. And sometimes I only have time for like a 10 minute, like time alone with quiet to engage in the spiritual side of things. Or sometimes, you know, like I, I only get to talk to my therapist once a month, Mm -hmm. but as long as I'm engaging in that and I know it, it's kind of like develops these automatic habits. So it's like, if there's time for myself, what am I going to, okay, I need to go to the gym. I haven't done that. So it's like automatically that's where I'm going Mm -hmm. or like, Oh yeah, there's that book that's over at that back room. Let me start that book or stuff like that. Or I haven't called a friend. And so like those type of things. And it's, it's been really interesting and it hasn't like, I don't have, it's not perfect. You know, you can life happens. I mean, this year for me has been, bananas which is why i quit teaching and like sometimes i don't feel that sometimes i feel like my my boat is literally 90 degrees and it's about to go into the ocean but Mm -hmm. even like two minutes of silence and meditation keeps it from going over you know so yeah that's 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 it you went from 10 minutes to two minutes which i deeply appreciate because you said 10 minutes of meditation and i was like damn you're doing great if you're doing 10 minutes a day yeah but I think the two minute is speaks to my heart because sometimes that's what I can do. Mm-hmm. And it's easy for me to get down on myself about having made no time or made one minute or made two minutes. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's the same for me as like, it keeps, it's balancing. Mm-hmm. It's being okay with what you can as a father. You don't have what you had in your twenties, yeah. right? And so you have to accept what you can do and be okay with that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so yeah, there we go. It's, it's, this is kind of, it's fun because you're kind of like forcing me to like retell my, my like quote unquote origin story <laughs> to everybody. Cause that was, <laughs> I started this four years ago. Oh really? Yeah. Like part time. Okay. So it's taken me four years to get to this. Yeah. And so. Well, it's an awesome setup for uh-huh. anyone who is listening that has not been on the podcast. Yeah. Um, it's a real cozy room. The yep. mics are perfectly positioned and malleable. The light is great. It's very cozy. There's like super homey bookshelves uh-huh. with bobbleheads and books falling over and amazing like lutes and guitars hanging from the wall. Yeah, my mandolin. And- so it's just a really good vibe. And the newest, the newest edition, you wouldn't know, is I have a photo of Gary Busey pointing a gun in the air at a St. Patrick's Day parade, and I just... Who's that? <laughs> Gary Busey was, he was the guy in Point Break. He's an actor from the 80s okay. and 90s, nice. and he's, he's bananas. Um, what, what does that mean to you? 
I don't know. There's something about Gary Busey and just his like, like he's been nuts forever. And just like, if you've seen Point Break, it's the one where with Keanu Reeves, where he's the FBI agent and he has to like learn how to surf to fight the, the bank robbers. Oh, Patrick nice Swayze's premise. in it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. If you have time and you're willing to watch it. Yeah. Nice. He's, he's like the seasoned cop who's just kind of also nuts and he partners with Keanu, but there's something about the photo and it just like captures his just craziness. But I can also, for me, I see joy and like, and it's also him, him having the, it's no, it's a pistol. I thought it was a flare gun. It's a pistol. And he's just like, I'm going to fire this in the air and we're going to have a great time on St. Patrick's day. Yes. And I was like, yes, we're going to do it. And it's right next to like beautiful quote by Bob Marley and like, yeah, yeah, and your wife eating like at a hot dog eating. Double, no, she's double fisting s'mores. Oh, it's s'mores, not hot dogs. Yeah, okay. nice. and then I have this. Oh yeah, you're making you're, you're we're telling all of it. So I have a for those of you, that also to paint a picture. I have this this uh, it's it, this is a puzzle that I framed. Oh, it's a puzzle! Amazing. Yeah. So for those of you that don't say the it says our class and there's a bunch of kids' names on it and so. What I would do on the first day of school is I would, in Sharpie, I would get a blank, I would have a blank poster board. I would write our class and then I would, on it, big enough, you know, big letters, and then I would cut it up into pieces. The kids didn't know what it it said. And I would give each kid one of the puzzle pieces and I would say, color it however you want to, design it however you want to, and put your name on it. And so then they would give it to me and then I would put it back together. And then it would be this, this whole thing about how like, yes, you're all different, but for this year, we're a part of this one thing. This is a class and however big or small it is, like we don't function without you. And so. Nice man. So they each color, that's why it looks like that. Yeah. They each color their own piece of it. Yeah. And, and I, their name on it. Uh-huh. That's so cool. And so I did it for years. Every, every, every class, every school I ever taught. I, I did that and um and then at the end of the year you know I would give them their piece back and I would have a little talk about you know hey this piece means we were part of something so I got your back kind of thing nice so yeah there we go and are those vinyls behind you how did you get such a perfect Dr. Seuss font um somebody Someone painted that right onto the no, wall. No, it's 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 a it's a decal. Yeah, yeah, vinyls. Okay. Yeah, I don't know um, how I I got that, but Carly was like, "Here, this is." And this this room also, I taught virtually during COVID. Nice. So behind me was the quote: "Be who you are, say what you feel, because those who mind don't matter, and those who matter don't mind." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Okay, so let's let's go to go to dad podcast. Yeah. Tick off the box. So, ask a dad question <laughs> no i'll talk i will I, I we'll get there i love your kids by the way well thanks. i think your kids i don't trust them at all i feel <laughs> like every time that they're around they're going to, they're going to try to do something to me and i i enjoy that because it's always in, in good fun and playful they're wily yeah yeah but yeah you've got two kids mm-hmm. uh-huh. wills is almost 12 and uh-huh. isabel's almost 10 yeah i uh <laughs> when she, when y'all, when y'all were thinking about going to the school I was teaching at, I remember, I was trying to break her, or trying to get her to, 
to what not go to the school because no. you were leaving the next day or something i was i, I, I want to remember no, she y'all... coming home being like i don't know roy's not gonna teach there anymore so maybe i won't go yeah I don't, how'd she know i wasn't gonna teach there uh, i don't know so probably your... Lindsay told, told yeah, me, yeah. Mm-hmm. she was uh, she just she walked in like kind of like fierce and just like and i was like i know who you are and i pointed to her and i was like yep how you doing? Yep. I know your family. I know your dad. Oh, right. no. And I just started. I and, I, and, I'm, and I'm like a silly person. I was trying to get her to break a little bit. She didn't. And I was like, yep, that's all right. You're going to be all right. Yeah. Her fierce is not. It's not like being. It's not a show. Mm-mm. It's definitely just like a pretty deeply rooted stability. Uh-huh. Uh, it's kid reads a little bit put offish sometimes, but. I just, she's just like the most, I don't know. She's, she's like, she's very grounded, very down mm-hmm. to earth. My son and I are more alike and Mariah and Isabella are more alike. So, mm-hmm. um, I'm definitely more intuitive, sensitive, you know, the kite flying in the sky and Isabella and Mariah are definitely grounding, tethering the kite to the ground mm-hmm. and practical and, you know, keeping the world moving. Yeah. <laughs> Not dreaming. Mm-hmm. so that's it's been a really good balance for sure and the two of them wills and isabella are they they interact similarly to mariah and i uh-huh. it's kind of nice to see yeah i like watching them with the other kids mm. like when when we've had when we've had a couple of fiestas over here and yeah we're all there and just watching you know there was that we were we were bombing they were bombing the hill the beach path and just how engaged they were. And, and, you know, it's like they were having fun, but they were also protecting the younger ones and making mm-hmm. sure the younger ones were okay. And I love to see that. I mean, I've been working with kids for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And whenever, like, I see an older kid helping a younger kid, I'm just like, yep. And when they're doing it without asking, without being asked to do it. Yeah. Like, those are the kids that I'm always like, yeah, you're going to be all right. Or I'll pull them aside and, you know, talk to them about that. Because, I mean, that saved me as a kid, you know, mm. growing up in summer camps and, and having counselors pull me aside and talk to me and engage with me. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah right sure. on. Good yeah. job. Thanks, yeah. And so did I did I hear this right that you, um, you guys – chose to move to south africa to give birth no. or you were just living in south africa and that's where your kids were born that is correct okay yeah yes we had both our kids mariah mm-hmm. bore both of our children uh in in our bed at home sorry i'm not in the mic uh mariah yeah had both home births and uh-huh. Um, they were in South Africa and that was a, a gift because mm-hmm. I, if we're going to like stick to the theme, um, it meant, it was meant everything to me to be so intimately involved with the birth of our kids. I was very into uh-huh. it and very wanting to be involved. And I had, I, I had wanted to have a home birth from day one. Mariah was absolutely not going to do that. Um, but 
Africa, South Africa especially, but just generally, there it's a little closer, I'd say, a little closer to origin ways. Mm-hmm. And the idea of a home birth is not nearly so... It's more it's more common there yeah. than mm-hmm. than the alternative to have money to go to a hospital, um, you know, would be more unusual there, um, almost across the board. So, so having a home birth even in a place like Cape Town, which is pretty Europeanized and everything, um, was just not unusual. There was plenty of doulas and midwives, and and just uh, the whole system was set up to facilitate something like that. So we were really fortunate to be there and. And to have our kids there, mm-hmm. I think, you know, both like our son's birth cost, I think like $900, Yeah, you know, from, from like start to finish without any insurance and similarly for our, our daughter. Um, so there is a really neat, neat availability in the whole process for my own participation. Um, and because of being in that environment, Mariah was felt really safe and able, mm-hmm. uh, I think, you know, at, at a certain point to say, yes, I can have this child at home. Um, and to do that with confidence and she had a spiritual journey as well. And, and I got to be something of a part of that. Um, and I uh-huh. think pregnancy and birth can be really alienating for partners, for male, for men, uh, male partners. Um, if they're not included, um, consciously by their partners, by the women who are having these babies, um, uh-huh. and in, yeah, in a lot of respects, I, I, I couldn't be more grateful to have been included in it, to have been consulted, to have been, you know, desired as part of it. Um, so I feel really, really fortunate in all of that. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. You know, Jasper was born here too. Mm. It was a home birth. And I, I too had wanted that for a long, long time, even before I met Carly. It was, it, it felt like I was telling someone, it felt like I was a part of something that always has been. Mm. And I was doing something that was like ancestral. And I don't want to knock. My goal is never to knock people who don't or people who, you know, I, I've known plenty of friends who, you know, their physical, there were, there were physical things that stopped them. They had pre-existing conditions and things like that. Or, or your journey is your journey. And at the end of the day, if there's this beautiful kid sitting with you after that, then who the fuck cares? But it, it did, it, it felt ancestral and it felt like there was i was like <laughs> the only time i ever used this is when i i did dmt one time but i felt like i was a i like had put my fingers into the source mm. and like i was like in that mm-hmm. and it was cool and you know the only people there were the the midwives and her mom was outside the door you know mm-hmm. so it was cool it's a cool thing yeah that's an understatement mm-hmm. And I think it forces you to be a part of it too. Yeah. You know, because there's no one else. Man, I haven't thought about it in a while. Uh huh. And and so you guys were just did you just were like, I want to move to South Africa, or you had felt that and. 
How long did you live there? That was yeah. Weirdly, she and well, she and I pretty much both were had decided independently of even knowing each other that we were moving to South Africa at the same time. Um, we had met here a handful of times, mm-hmm. but um, didn't really get to know each other at all until we both lived there. Um, and we lived in the same intentional community. Um, we were still, I think we were still pretty evangelical back then. I mean, given like a, a hard social justice liberal bent, but uh-huh. still, I would say we still were. And we went there. Uh, she she went to kind of do a year of of service in the townships um, mm-hmm. to really, I think, have a bit of freedom from. I mean, she had a really good life here and in Richmond, and and was doing great, um, but needed. I think in our spirit to just experience something different and new. Um, I don't want to speak too much for her, but I, I myself had been in advertising for a couple of years in Amsterdam and I definitely needed to not be the person that I was turning into. Um, that was not Mariah's experience, but my experience was that I was becoming um, addicted to money and comfort and so I, I just needed to get out of that and um and so i did i i also was really fortunate i was in amsterdam before cape town and so i had an amazing experience there but there was just a dark side of it that mm-hmm. had been difficult for me to accept i think early early success can be very hard to cope with um or it's just like too easy yeah um, so you can fall asleep in it. And so I ended up going there and then started to do street art and muraling. Uh, Mariah was doing, she was volunteering a lot in townships and, um, we were living in part of the same community and yeah, we fell in love. We got married and then our kids were born there. So we have African American kids. Wow. So they, they claim they can claim South Africa. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. How does that impact like parenting now? Like that experience on that shift? Cause now you guys are here in Virginia. Yeah. I, I think mostly, I mean, I can, I want to keep speaking for Mariah too. I, I will try to continue to remind myself not to, but, um, at least for my part, Having, I was, lived abroad for 11 years, I guess. So that's definitely impacted my, my fathering mm-hmm. um, and my parenting. I have, I've been pretty insistent, like Will's started um, at the IB program at Plaza. Um, I would say it was not his choice. I think I pretty much said you have to do this yeah he wanted to do the gifted art program and um it was one of the few times where i've really intervened and said this is what you're gonna do um and the ib program the international baccalaureate program Mm -hmm. i think is quite uh exceptional at least it seems like sort of one of the best options for a public school kid in virginia beach and um so i was really especially excited about things like having to learn a language in sixth grade instead of ninth grade and you know just being being shown and exposed to more of an international culture at an earlier age 
Um, I don't know that I would have felt that way had I not lived, you know, in Africa for so long and um, wanted to do that for myself. Um, so it's definitely impacted the way that I understand my own, my own fathering. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, we had an IB program in Georgia. Those kids, they get a lot. Yeah, it's intense. They're exposed to a lot, and they're like, this one kid I know that was in the IB program at my high school graduated with enough college credits. He was a junior mm-hmm. in college, and I was like, that's crazy. Perfect, perfect SAT score, you know, but just the exposure yeah. to things and the, the books that they were reading and that stuff was like well past what I was getting in my general ed oh yeah high school and, stuff. and me too so yeah I'm, I'm really glad for it I'm I and it, it is interesting to see like my kids are born like and we just got their passports because we're gonna go abroad in a couple weeks and yeah. they had to renew them and it would just reminded me again like it just says place of birth South Africa. Like it won't even write Cape Town. It won't write. It's it's a very USA centric. Because if you're born here, then it'll say the city. It'll say Boston yeah, for me. Uh-huh. But if it's anywhere else, they just say the country, and and that's that's a whole different conversation. But what I realized was like his passport forever. It just says South Africa, like black and mm-hmm. white. There's no change in that. There's no change in it. Yeah. So I I know that it will inform their own understanding of their own identity, you know, to some degree. So it'll be really fun to kind of see what happens for them in that. Yeah. I'm excited for that. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I think no one, not a lot of people in my family moved away. I'm the only one that had moved, you know, states away. And I think that is that is a that is something to uproot yourself to go somewhere else, you know, even you know, it's only two states away, but mm. still, you know, I, I hope that like I don't know, I want I want mine, you know, him to to take chances like that and to be exposed to things. Mm. You know. I think about that word exposure and like he's already been exposed to so much more than I ever had because for, you know, economic reasons and things like that. And it's like, I want to expose, I just want to keep exposing him to things Mm -hmm. and see all the things that I never got to see. And, you know, I think he's different because of that. He's already, he's flown on like five planes and he's only four, and I didn't fly on my first plane until I was nineteen. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's it's bananas. So That's so cool. Did your parents ever tell you about your birth story? They ever share that with you? Yeah, hesitantly. Really was yeah. Yeah, because I it was very traumatic mm. for me and for my mom. So there was not a and even today there's still not a lot of like forthcoming intel about that like it was like physically traumatic yeah like it was dangerous oh Uh, wow so i know that i'm healthy today and so is my mom but Uh my own birth story was a little shrouded like and i think like there's not pictures of me from 
you know, for my brother and sister, there was all these pictures of like right when they were born and everything. Uh And um, that wasn't true for me because it was a pretty much like straight to the emergency ward or whatever had to happen. So um, like you were like premature or something like that. No, just the way that I was like, I I don't even know. Honestly, I could probably get my mom to admit to it, but. I think there was like a breach Mm -hmm. and I had to be basically taken out, but vaginally not, there was no C-section. So forceps and things that we wouldn't do today, I think. Um, And so just a lot of things that my mom doesn't really like to relive. Mm -hmm. Um, And I can totally understand that. I think what she loves to relive is the relief, you know, what mm-hmm. hours later when everything was fine. Um, and when she knew that I was healthy and going to be okay. But I think right in the moment, there was some, yeah, there was some hesitancy to ever really share that with me. Yeah. So, I get that. Yeah. And too. are you the oldest? I am. Yeah. Oh, wow. I thought your brother is older. He just looks older. Yes, I I'm fortunate to have Maybe more it's, hair. It's yeah. the hair. It's just the hair. It is the it hair. Is. Yep. I have way more wrinkles, but you can't. It's overlooked. <laughs> Culturally, we value hair on males, you know, and uh-huh. we don't care about wrinkles. So I I just happen to luck out. Yeah. Yeah, I'm the oldest in my family too. Oh, okay. It's interesting. It's an interesting place to be. Yeah, my brothers. My brothers it's preferred. are. Yeah, they're twins, and I oh, think really? it was yeah, and I think it was traumatic for me when they came. Oh, that's a lot. Yeah, because they're only three, they're only three years younger than me. Yeah, and um, they uh, like I hit I hid them when my parents brought them home. <laughs> like I pulled the baskets into another room and oh, stuff like God, that. I love it, dude. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, what was your dad like? I'm just I'm just hitting you with it. That's one of the questions. What was my dad like? Yeah. You know what my one he was really outsideish. And it's so funny because I was sort of sensitive as mm-hmm. a boy and a little squeamish. I didn't love You know like when you pick up a rock? Yeah. Uh-huh. Some kids are just like oh and they want to like grab the uh-huh. crawly things. Yeah. I was definitely a kid that was like, oh, fuck. Don't, don't want to touch the crawly things. Um, you wouldn't have liked Jasper then. And <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, no. I mean, I had friends yeah. who'd be like, here, look at this like poisonous frog in my hand, you know. <laughs> and that's awesome. I was not that kid. So what's funny now to me, though, is that like, and so my dad was always that. He was just like, always, you know, wanted to do yard work and just involve us in crazy escapades like to national parks and camping and is so much of it was about just outsideishness and i uh-huh. didn't love it as a kid and it's interesting to me now because my own son doesn't really love it he's not natively drawn but now i'm like i would just be outside all day every day if i could yeah so it's really interesting and i love to just like have crawly things crawl over my hand and Uh i actually asked my dad about that and he admitted that when he was a boy he didn't love 
he wasn't one of those people that was just like, oh yeah, let me like hold the four foot moth, you know, mm-hmm. uh, four inch moth. I say that because I saw a, a a horned devil caterpillar. Have you seen one of these? Maybe they're like they're like six inches long and they're basically green. They're at least a half an inch thick mm-hmm. around. But at the front, it looks like a dragon head, and it's got like orange and black horns. Wait, and yes. And mm-hmm. okay, but I mean, your viewers can't see this, but it looks poisonous as fuck. It looks like something, yeah. And it looks out of a fantasy. I mean, you can't believe it's it's. It just looks like a dragon. So yeah. Anyway, um, I am fascinated by those things now and love to to experience being outside i want to always just get outside for my own health and emotional well-being and um so he gave me that you know that's what he was like and i think by and large i would say he was patient when i couldn't Mm -hmm. and i remember being bummed if he'd be like dude you gotta just pick up the leaves and put them in a bag like that's what we're doing you know I remember sort of feeling a bit affronted by that, but not in a wounding way, for sure. It was more just in a way that I probably really needed to just be told, Mm -hmm. you're doing this. Uh, You must accept things beyond your control, which is being my kid and having to be obedient. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that all of that really paid off in the end. And I, I have some, you know, my own son is going into this age of, real hectic pushback and like well fuck you i'm not knowing that shit i'm not turning the grill on for tonight yeah it's like wait why won't you go turn the grill on it takes like three seconds it's like costs you almost nothing you know and equally i could say to myself okay dad well why don't you just go turn the grill on if it costs so little why'd you ask your kid to do it you know so i'm fully aware of that but going into this pushback phase i'm starting to see more and more of that mirror when i was a kid and Mm -hmm. pushing back to my dad and so i am hopefully i i feel a gentleness to him Mm -hmm. a lot of times um and and perhaps just mirroring my dad's gentleness with me but knowing that he will be given the gift of outdoors ishness yeah and things that i treasure now for just my sanity um i'm grateful that my dad was always giving me those things even when I was like I don't want to that's gross and I'm hot or whatever I did we're such assholes yeah we are I have this this vivid memory of my dad and me and my brothers in a rowboat and us just screaming at him like this is stupid Mm -hmm. and like thinking man what a terrible like it affected me and like when I remember it, I'm just like I I think I apologized to him one time about it. But you know, you're a kid. You don't wanna be, you know it was probably hot and uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but it was like we're in this beautiful river and I'm just sitting here just being a dick to 100%. my dad. We all did that, you know. Yeah. You had leaves, I had pine straw. You know, my dad we camped a lot and <laughs> my grandpa was an amazing outdoorsman. He was an Eagle Scout. You know, he, he had, they had all these little systems and like little things in place when they would be camping. That was like, 
incredible. Like he had a, he would take a two liter bottle, fill it with water, but he had, would puncture a hole right in the top uh, or the cap and it would be upside down. And so, and then next to that was a pantyhose and there would be a soap, a bar of soap at the bottom. And so you would squeeze the two liter bottle of water, you get water on there and then you rub your hands on the soap at the pantyhose and that's how you wash your hands. And I remember being like, this is the most amazing thing. That like, how, amazing. how do you like, how do you know how to do this stuff? Yeah. And it was always so like perfect and easy and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then my dad, he was, he wasn't an Eagle scout and he tried so hard and it just, we never had, it was just never the same. Like we would, we had an army canvas tent one time that like it poured the night before and we all woke up in like an inch of water and just that was the same night that our dog had like rolled in a dead thing. Yeah, and we just have, I have like hundreds of stories of that yeah. and just being like, God, dad, this is stupid. Yeah. But him, just him desiring to have that. Cause when he was a kid, he would go, they would go on like three week vacations and just tour national parks, grand Canyon, all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. And I've, I still haven't seen the grand Canyon. Yeah. So what your dad experienced is what I experienced. Yeah. My dad was the Eagle Scout. Uh-huh. He was 100% like knew all of that shit and was doing that for us. And yeah, I just empathize with this idea of as a dad now, it is not easy to forge ahead in the face of like yeah. complaining teens. Man, we... Like when you're just like, fuck, fuck you. Why are we doing this? I mean, essentially that's what you're saying. Like, fuck mm-hmm. your idea. We'd rather be home playing Zelda, you know? Yeah. And that's, I think that's when you still do it and you don't like buckle before that. I didn't realize quite how much it took because I think as a kid, you think like, you know, oh, your dad, like they're just, you know, they've got it going on. They, mm-hmm. they, are they, they're in command. They've got some control over themselves, you know, but then you come to be the father of a 12 and 13 year old and you're like, oh, whoa, I still have insecurities. I still, I'm, it, life is life. You know, I don't know everything that's going on. I'm yeah. not totally in control of the situation. I'm questioning myself. I'm hoping that my kid likes me. You know, there's all these very human things going on. And as a kid, you have no idea. No, you don't. That your dad has any real feelings at all. Yeah. You know, they're just, they're either like, you know, Captain America and, and, and saving the world. Or at some point that completely breaks down. And then they're just like standing in the way of what you want to do. Yep. And so that that's like uh it's quite a beautiful thing to then become a father. I think I, I yeah. hope that for many of my friends to just have that chance. And it's not for everyone, but but yeah. it is a great teacher, there's no doubt. I had my first real quintessential moment, father moment a few weeks ago when we tried to do this impromptu not impromptu. We had planned to go to the Outer Banks for the day. We were going to drive. We were going to get up at 5, drive down to Buxton to the 4x4 beach, and just hang out at the beach all day and all that stuff. And it was a beautiful memory. Like I was like, this is going to be really cool and all that stuff, and it's going to be great. We're going to hang out. We'll come back. We might go get some dinner and Nags Head or something, and we'll come back. And then... We get up, we make it on the road, and then halfway there, he throws up. 
and we're like, Ugh, we'll just keep going because it wasn't like he didn't have a fever or anything. And then we made it all the way down to Buxton where we wanted to go. And I was freaking out for a second because I didn't take the air out of my tires. And if you're going to go on the beach, even though yeah. if you have a 4x4 car, you got to take the air out of the tires. And yeah. so we didn't go to this one spot. And so to get, to, we went to this one parking lot. But to get to the beach, it's like a football field. And not like, I mean, it was, and so like, he's hot. He had thrown up. He was not having it. We went down for a grand total of 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. It took us almost 20 minutes to get to the water. Then we get back in the car, and then we're going to try to save face. We went to another parking lot to the beach. He wasn't having it. He was screaming and crying. And I did one of those things, you know, where the dad just opens the door, and he just stands out of the car, and he's just like, oh, he's like losing his mind. And it's just like, I'm in this thing that like every dad has been in. And this is hilarious. And I'm also furious. Yes. <laughs> and we still, we stayed at the beach or whatever. He slept and then we tried to do putt putt and that didn't work. And we ended up being home like five hours before we thought we were. Mm -hmm. And it was just such a thing that I was like, man, like he doesn't care that like, this is what I love to do right now because he's also four and even at 12 can you you can't conceptualize those things there's the kids are so they're all they're, they're all ego they're not like yeah. empathy or anything but there are all those moments i mean i remember my so again also you know my dad did this thing where he would take like six we took six weeks one summer three weeks another summer to go to these to Zion and Arches, like all every national park. I mean, we were doing all the time, and uh -huh. I just there's like a couple times when your kid really does come through. And I remember a moment when I agreed. Basically, my dad was like, "Hey, do you want to get up? And we're just gonna get up really early and go on like a early morning hike, you know, up to this waterfall. Like your sister can't do it. I, you know, your your brother." you know maybe but he I, I don't know if he's gonna want to why don't why don't you and i just do it and he wanted to get up at like 4 30 in the morning and then drive the 45 minutes to whatever hike trailhead in the national park and then walk for two hours and i was like no said said yes no uh, you know 13 year old ever so i but i did i i thought okay i you know yes i guess some part of me just thought, let me risk it. And it was, it's easily one of like, it's one of the three or four memories I have of, of all the trips combined over many, many summers. Yeah. That moment. And that, like, I remember watching the sunrise, this insane sunrise. It doesn't matter what park, you know, name a national park out West mm -hmm. with the like lichen and the K and like the dripping, all the things, like it's a very serious, intense impression for me. So I, and I've seen my, my own son do that a few times where he kind of like something quirks and he just leans in and says, you know what? Yeah. Okay. I'll try it. I'll do it. And, and that's, that's a real saving grace for sure. Yeah. You know, I, I think, I think about that cause I think about with my dad not being here anymore, there's like, 
when you're when when he passed it's like i remember now all the times i said no you know and that's something that i think that i don't know you can't impart that on on a kid they're still going to they're still going to feel what they feel but like i don't know you know my dad liked to get up early go to breakfast and i said yes sometimes but i still remember the times when i didn't yeah and it's like i probably i'd love to have more of those yeah. you know so we want our kids to just experience these things with us and it's so rad god it's so rad when they do yeah. when when he when he like gets something and he's just like thanks for doing that like he said dad this is pretty cool today i'm glad i did this and i'm like <laughs> and i'm like oh my god yeah, and i'm like rate. i'm like yeah. starting to cry <laughs> and i'm just like my son liked what i did it was something stupid and silly like he's just like oh or he like leans in and hugs me and he's like that's great and you're just like oh yes and then you get it yeah you get why they tried so hard you know yeah yeah now did he so he is on the board at grace who no your dad or did he help he's the executive pastor what does that mean like like it's a mega church which is basically like a corporation yeah and every corporation has a ceo uh-huh so he's the ceo so he gets to tell people like he's in charge of like the direction of the church he's the boss wow yeah and so was evangelical like this kind of church big in your life like he this was just always a part of your life no yeah it's so interesting because i yeah so he he and my mom met i think through young life actually i think that that's true whoa way back in the day it used to be like what the cool kids did really not <laughs> or at least where where they were growing up i mean now we're talking about like the 70s or whatever yeah um mm-hmm. the 60s and 70s but um it was it was much different than it is now uh-huh. or even 20 years ago so um that's how they met but anyway they so my mom is full italian yeah so it basically it was just like Catholic for a thousand years and then evangelical with my mom. <laughs> and then on my dad's side, similarly, um, you know, Swedish, so it's a little more Protestant, but but my gra- but his father and father before him, it was Catholic for a thousand years. Yeah. And then my parents and then he became evangelical. Uh-huh. Um, same like, sort of Jesus movement, evangelical vibes. Um, so it's just been a, that's been really interesting because one of the ways that I've found a lot of healing, like sort of post evangelical is to realize that actually on both sides of my family before my own immediate parents, I've basically been Catholic. So even though I wasn't raised Catholic, that's just how it like was coming down Mm -hmm. and down and down and down until my parents. So I think I, I had a bit of a, yeah, I had a. There was like a hiccup in the line, uh-huh. and but now I definitely resonate the most. If I had to belong to an organized faith, then I would be Catholic. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. And we were all Church of Christ. Yeah, 
it's you know even it's because church christ is very southern um but that's what my mom's side but even my um even my dad in ohio they were church of christ i don't know what they were before it was all protestant i don't know if there was there wasn't many catholics in my family unless they were married into mm. um but did he so he helped start the church the great grace no he we joined it as a family i don't know 25 years ago it used to just be like in a strip mall on shore drive uh-huh um so that's when we belonged to it uh at first and then i think it must have been like eight or ten years ago is when they were really growing fast you know getting uh-huh. bigger and bigger and bigger and it became pretty clear that they, if they were going to carry on like this, that they needed an executive. They needed someone who did that. Uh-huh. Uh, and my dad is a great executive. So they, that's when he kind of started doing that. It was just clear that like one pastor, the one pastor model, mm-hmm. like they were, they're just clearly two different things. There's a mm-hmm. guy who can preach and pastorally care for a congregation. And then there's uh, a guy who can like deal with teams and management and money. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, so that's what my dad's really good at. It seems like you guys, from the outside looking in, you guys were able to kind of like walk your own paths with regards to religion and church and God. Me and my siblings? Yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all love Jesus. I yeah. I mean, I say that tongue-in-cheek, but I... I personally, and as do my siblings, have a profound respect for the person of Jesus and, and for the teachings of Jesus, uh-huh. you know, apart from any belief system at all. Uh, it's pretty hard to read some of those teachings in the New Testaments and not be profoundly challenged um, by the wisdom of them. And to my dad's credit and my mom's, you know, they both are... They still, they are evangelical uh, Christian Mm -hmm. people, Um, but they also, they also, it's funny. I talked to a lot of my friends about this, this issue of translating, like of being able to translate belief or faith system Uh and how critically important it is, especially generationally. And I hope and pray that as a dad for my son, that I'll be able to do this for him to just understand that a lot of the things that we're saying, like in our, in the words, they, they might not line up exactly, but like the spirit of the thing is the same. Mm. Um, so the idea of like being saved is very strange in my ears now, you know, to be, to need to be saved from hell. You know, that doesn't make any sense in my worldview anymore. Um, and it does still to them. But if I can translate that across to me to say that I want to be a more conscious human being on the face of the planet, um, you know, to be saved from my own ego, from my own sleep, from my automaticity, mm-hmm. um, then, then that's that. So without having to, and I mean, there's a lot of ways to translate. And to my parents' credit, they've really. Um, been able to find commonality and that's been a really hard one journey 
especially with my dad. I, you know, a mother's love is, is a bizarre yeah. natural force yeah, not is. to be trifled with. And oh, it will always win. Okay, yeah. mother's love will always win. But, um, but fathers have a harder time. We're, we're a little more, you know, we're denser, we're slower, we're not as nimble as women. So it takes a little longer often to get to a place. And, um, but my dad was able to do it. He really was able to accept that my brother and sister and I might walk, you know, slightly different roads. Uh, they're not going to, it's not going to be the exact same dogma, uh-huh. um, but we're going to have a, a real solid relationship despite that, you know, like it's going to be not in the way of a loving family. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. I credit, I credit my parents for my stability in this, this walk of, of, whatever it is spiritual that I'm sort of formulating now because, you know, I don't know. I, I've always felt, you know, <laughs> my dad's biggest rule was, you know, you're, you're you can come to, you got to come to church with us on Sundays until you're 18. When you're 18, make your own decisions. You're an adult, but whatever you choose, I don't, you know, that's not going to change my life my love for you and and there there's half a dozen times when i was going the opposite way of his belief system that he would say yeah okay you know i get it uh, i still love you nothing's ever going to change that and i think that like it's like um it's the reason why harry potter was harry potter and Draco Malfoy was Drake or and Voldemort was Voldemort mm-hmm. because at all these points in Harry Potter's life, there were these little instances of love and caring and kindness. They were able to show him, you know, these things of why he was able to be who he was. And with Voldemort, he never had that. So that's why he went that way. Mm-hmm. And so I can't believe him. I'm really glad I got to use this because I've been wanting to use this for a long time. Potter, bro. Hell yeah. But, but yeah, like, and so, I remember even like, cause he was, you know, they, they had a lot of strong beliefs of things, even to the point of when I, when I moved in with, with Carly and I had to sit down with him and tell him what I was doing. And he was like, yeah, okay. I mean, you know, I believe differently, but Carly's great. We love her. We love you. So, okay. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa. So a freedom to walk a path, a freedom to understand, a freedom to find your way is super powerful. Yeah. And I want to do that with Jasper. I, th- I was thinking about that idea of saved and how like that's changed with me. And I look at the world. I've been like the word connectedness kind of keeps ping pong in my head, like connecting to people and more connecting to like the earth, connecting to all of this is what... I'm trying to figure out now versus like being saved from a hell, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's not going to be easy, man. I, no, it's not. I credit myself all the time, but I know that my, my kid is, but so did my dad. So did your mm-hmm. dad, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. I, I, I'm a, I'm a modern man. You know, I, mm-hmm. I can see these, these issues in the culture and I want to be a part of 
you know, the solution and work hand in hand to build bridges. And then my kid's going to come to me like, what is he going to be like in a relationship with a bot? And then I'm going to be like, nope, not a real relationship, buddy. Like you need a physical person, you know? And so whatever, like, I, I know, whatever the thing is, like... You're the second person that I've had that that's mentioned that. But fuck. But what do I think? I'm going to suddenly, I'm going to, like, escape the the hellish, you know, like, traversal of these new issues. I mean, no, of course, we all are. And I just know that my, my dad was a fucking smart guy. And he was, he knew what was coming until he didn't. And yeah. he was like, you said what did you say, son? you're 15 and you what what the hell are you talking about you know and so he was a he was a modern guy i mean he was onboarding lots of social and cultural issues but there was things that i was talking about that were just in a completely foreign language yeah and Mm -hmm. so i'm willing to accept you know whatever my my son comes with but but accept until he comes with a thing that i couldn't have foreseen yeah and then i think no i that's not okay but that exact moment is when the kid's like choosing to be in a relationship with his dad for the next five years or not, right? Like, yeah. If I, in that real live moment, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to, I don't have to agree or disagree. I just have to stay open. I have to stay connected, like you just said. Stay connected, even if I don't understand it myself. Yeah, there's so many things that are different. And there's so many things that I don't understand. And... I know that it's it's inevitable for us to reach that point with our kids. You know, I've been really grateful that he's four now and hasn't had to really, he hasn't been a part of a lot of the conversations because I'm still making my way through the conversations and I'm trying to stay as open and curious instead of like drawing lines in the sand as possible because I think drawing lines in the sand is, is never a... You know, unless it's to like whether you're gonna kill someone or not. Like, all right, I'm gonna draw a line. <laughs> yep, no, I'm not gonna be about we'll murder. Go ahead and say, don't do that. Yeah, but like, I don't know. It's interesting. We're all gonna meet those that point. Yeah. Oh, bro, and you're even. I mean, you're ten years down the line, which is basically like a century in today. You know, I mean. I mean, who knows what it's wait. gonna be? I know, dude. You know. So is there anything that he does that you do when you're parenting or he did to you? I think you kind of talked about how like he was all about nature and now you're all about nature and trying to pull your kids into it. But is there anything my dad did that I do yeah, now? Mm-hmm, that you do now. Oh, basically everything. Really? Oh my yeah. God. It's shattering. And this is, it actually gives me a lot of patience for, for Wills. <laughs> Because mm-hmm. I just smile. I mean, I don't. I do not speak it into being. I really don't. But in inside, I am. I'm basically positive that he is going to not fall that far from the tree. In really? The long run, yeah. I mean, it's there's too many telltale signs. Is he gonna have blue hair too? Yeah. He, well, no. Mine was like black. I heard you had blue hair. No, black. Sorry, Lindsay talked to me a little bit before this. Yeah, it was sort of like octopus inky black so oh, maybe a wow. little blue like rockabilly blue black yeah i did that when i went to china with my dad <laughs> you wait were you really into rockabilly or you just wanted to have black hair like did you just watch the outsiders all day it was a bit both <laughs> sorry 
I wanted to like I don't know be Chinese or something. I don't know. Oh, my my wow. dad also like my dad was going with the idea that that we'd be talking to that I needed to blend in somehow and I kind of was like well fuck you and and then and then dyed my hair black just because he wanted me to like he wanted me to be less myself and more neutral so that Uh I could blend into Chinese culture better yeah and it was definitely a like does this work should I dye my hair black does that make me more you know acceptable I fully dyed my hair black. You know that that was that was not that was not my finest moment. How's this, Dad? Yeah, how's this look in your cultural? You know, anyway, I. <laughs> that's, that's not normal. Yeah. Oh, thank you for sharing that. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. I did do that as a bit of a spiteful move. I was not an easy son. Yeah, I I uh, I didn't make it easy. I was more of like. The Jinko jeans and Hawaiian shirts and really loud music. Mm. Even like, yeah, and I had like, you know, oh, I just, I, I made it so hard for them to get me. <laughs> you know, one thing my dad did do, which I have started to actually question myself if we're talking about being a dad, is uh-huh. being. And this is a live question for me, Roy, but it's like being a dad versus being a, a best friend. Uh-huh. And what is the difference? Like, where what are the things you have to do as a dad that, like, I'm not going to be his confidant. I'm not going to be, I shouldn't be. Uh-huh. I shouldn't be the person he goes to with his deepest secret, mm-hmm. um, you know, but I should be a place of like firm boundary and like I come up against it and it's the same every time. It's just boringly the same that I have that same boundary and I just hit it again and again. And cause that boundary is just like the deepest kind of stability and belonging for a young person. And so that has been very hard for me to navigate because I so want to be liked by my kid. And I think that's a little bit endemic to people our age, um, growing up in the time we have, mm-hmm. um, especially with social and that it's, it is not a thing that you need to be liked by your kid, um, or to be the like, first person they run to with their secrets and all this stuff. And that, and that has been really difficult for me to accept. What do you mean by the secrets? Oh, you know, like, um, this is my favorite thing to do at school, or this is the Uh, person I like, or this is the thing that's been really hard for me lately, or uh, like all of those just like private thing of secret might not be the right word, but whatever that internal private life, yeah. You know, it's like you have your peers for that. Mm-hmm. You should healthily be sharing that entire private yeah. landscape side, you know, across and and up, you know, there just needs to be there just needs to be different. It's a different relationship and I've been treating it a lot as the same thing. Like a closeness and intimacy, a feeling of belonging that's like it all gets blurred. 
as long as my kid feels like you know if we can talk we can share everything then that's being a good dad and maybe and maybe there's a part of that that is being a good dad but i've been sort of struggling a little bit with having to make a tougher choice that in the moment leaves my kid not liking me at all but in the long run is better for them mm-hmm. does that make sense yeah 100 percent. you should watch shrinking okay on apple tv uh-huh. jason siegel plays the psychiatrist and uh, harrison ford is in it too and there's a whole conversation about that mm. and he talks about the need to like it's 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 this one particular scene where like you know not giving a lot away so jason siegel his wife had recently passed it's been a year and he's re he's like re-engaging in life and with his daughter and all these things and so here's there's this this time where he has to sort of punish his daughter for something that he's that she's done and he doesn't want to because he's kind of been he's been doing kind of the same things he's been like checked out and all this stuff right there's this long conversation about harrison ford gives with him about you know your role as a father and you need to be doing this and and they're not going to like you right now but they need you to do this and they will you're they're going to be better for it later in life so there's it's less about being liked it's more about i don't know like you're helping them to cultivate a life and understand boundaries and understand things that are hard i don't know i i want i want i want to be a safe harbor for my kid i don't want to be his best friend but i want to be the place that if the world's burning down he'll come here Mm -hmm. like that's ultimately what i want Mm -hmm. that 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 he feels that accepted that loved that protected that connected that's all i want i want him to feel that and i also want him to understand because this isn't a boundaryless world like there are rules that we have to follow Mm -hmm. and i want him to understand that too and he doesn't like me a lot now yeah. He loves he loves Carly all the time. All the time. But I know that like the what I'm doing and the the conversations even at 4 and and like teaching him or helping to guide him through this is is ultimately doing what's best for him and I know that he's going to I mean I I know that even when <laughs> even when my parents grounded me on the series finale of full house and i didn't get to see it and because i was that bad but if they had let me do it you know i i I don't i don't remember what i did but i do remember that i deserved it yes you know and it's like this was bad you know and everybody's like oh my god why is that such a big deal but like i don't question but like you I didn't know, I you know didn't have, you speak yeah we're old enough to understand when we didn't have streaming but <laughs> i've had so much practice in it being a teacher 
That's good. That it's easier for me to accept. I don't want to. All that stuff. Because I've had kids throw chairs. I've had all sorts of things happen already for a decade. And I understand my role as a teacher. And I'm in for a rude awakening. Yeah. I do not have your experience with my son. I have definitely been this, mm-hmm. the the... I am I am this I am the sun and he is the orbiting planetoid mm-hmm. and he and I have I almost never do anything wrong and it's very it's very new for us that we are entering this like dad you're really frustrating me and you're really not doing it like you need to do which is be the sun and the hero uh-huh. and the you know the the place I always want to be yeah so we're just entering into that now. I didn't anticipate that. That was not my experience with my dad, where he was just like the hero, uh-huh. you know, for my whole upbringing. Um, but it sort of has happened weirdly, you know, for my own son and I. And so now that we're going into this different phase, it's been, it has been a very conscious effort for me to have to not be the, that thing anymore yeah and to still and to hold a line even though it seems like every time i do the thing that i know is right in our relationship and for him it's just like chinks away at this beautiful thing that we've had forever um it sort of costs in in the moment uh much more than i would have anticipated i think when you get older perspective is going to show up and you're going to realize that it's still the beautiful thing that it is Oh, 100%. Yeah. That's why I do it. If not, yeah. then I would, I'd say, fuck it. Like, do whatever you want as long as you like me and we're hanging out all the time. Yeah. Have you seen those sure. kids where the parents did that? It's... No, it's not good. I have a few friends. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, we still need boundaries. We still need... I still need someone to tell me some things God. and help me. You know? Yes, it's, it, it doesn't... We don't grow out of it. We all, I know. I have the one friend I call, and he calls me an idiot. So, in the most loving and kindful way. Because oh, yeah. we all need that sometimes. Is it is it different having, like, because you have the boy and the girl. Mm-hmm. How different is the relationship? <laughs> well, it might just be coincidental. Because of the personalities of my children, but it is... Is one thousand percent different. Yeah. Yeah. Is there less pushback from her? Yeah. I. Well, she's also younger, so they're in two like different. Yeah, but also she's just like very different. Uh huh. She's willing to try. She'll say, you know, she's just it, she's much more agreeable, generous to a fault. I mean, she has maybe things that are on the other end of the spectrum where it's like, well, let's watch out, and like, yes, you are allowed to. Uh-huh. you know keep something for yourself and there's a sense of you know there's a there's other issues at play probably but it, yeah. she is uh, much much different so has there been um love interest yet no oh okay that's cool well listen i mean i'm saying no but what the hell do i know yeah anymore? i know they're, they're it's probably happening he came home the other day and he was i like, meant with her oh with her yeah oh for sure really yeah, I mean, love is a ridiculous word at that age, but but there is definitely interests mm-hmm. and like just lingering story about a particular boy or a total like nothing 
at all to do with anything about uh-huh. the same kid. You know, don't talk. Nothing's going on at all. They're they're absent to me. Um, but it's more interesting with Wills because he will come home now. He would like had an interaction with an eighth grade girl, oh. and like couldn't wait to talk about it, but couldn't talk about it. Yeah. He was like distraught to not be able to do all of that with us. So <laughs> I don't know. I eventually he kind of spit out that he had had this interaction with her. But oh man, yeah, I, I just did not. I was like, that's a fuse. I don't really want to touch. Honestly, yeah. Most of the 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 fathers I've had on have kids that are younger, so it's interesting to hear like people with middle school and kids and. Um, one friend of mine, his kids just in high school, but, uh, it's relatively young ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Has there been something that has come up as a parent that was just like, I liked, I use the word easy, but just like, it just clicked into place for you. That were like without even thinking, like it happened, and you were just like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe I just did that." You mean in the role of being a dad? Yeah. Or like, did what's the easiest? Very easily. What's the easiest thing? It's the thing that comes most naturally to you. Oh, that just. I think just being around getting getting things done uh-huh has been really really fun and easy and i'm i'm objective enough to be able to see for sure that the kids have a great time uh-huh um when we get into a mode one of the easiest favorite things is if mariah leaves she's like i'm going to trader joe's or whatever and so then she, we know she's going to be gone for 45 minutes. And I'm like, guys, we're going to get this house in ship shape. I want it spick and span when she comes back, you know? And so we just like blast music, which it's also like not really, it's kind of verboten if, if Mariah's there, we're not, she doesn't love us blasting like uh-huh. Cardi B, you know, which I get it, but I love it. And I'm pretty liberal with what I allow my kids to hear music wise. So yeah. We just like blast some crazy music and start going. And they know that my number one value for them, or one of my very number one values is forward initiative. Uh For being able to see the thing that needs to be done and not be told to do it. You mentioned that earlier. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I've like, I treasure that. Yeah. Not having to say, go do the next, like, look, just look around, see the thing you need to do. So we practice that all the time. And so now it's really fun. We fall into that really easily. Like they look around, they can see what needs doing. And it's such a joy for me. Like I, I, I turn around and the recycling has just been taken out, you know, and I didn't have to say, dude, like take out the recycling. So the, a lot, when those things are happening, we get into a flow, which is so, so enjoyable. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. He, uh, he uh, he decided to floss today without Who's that? me telling him. Jasper oh, did, Jasper. Okay. and that was really enjoyable because I'm getting these like little whispers of him understanding like things that need to be done, and uh, 
the hardest thing for us for him we gave him a, his job in the mornings is to feed the cats mm. and the last couple of days have been kind of like we've both all of us have been off and so like we've realized that the cats hadn't been fed till like the evening but I, I can't wait for the day that he just gets up and we don't have to tell him and that he just feeds the cats you know but it's that idea of like there's things that need to be done because we're all about we're less about like doing things because they need for uh doing things because we say so it's more of we're doing things to respect the space Mm -hmm. so like the idea of feeding the cats isn't like a chore it's like the cats can't feed themselves they don't have thumbs to open this thing up yeah like let's respect them enough to understand that that like yeah you want to play but Mm. you want to do your puzzle but the cat's can't open that thing to feed them and you can so respect the space and so i can't wait for that forward initiative is a good thing it's a big thing it's my favorite and i've been celebrating that since the early days and so they know and they also know that and whether that's like mixed in with father approval or whatever i mean Mm -hmm. i that can all be parsed out a couple years down the line probably but they still they're very good at it and yeah my favorite thing right now is that he Jasper loves rock and roll. Mm-hmm. He loves loud music. He likes to point at my stomach. I mean, I do have rock and roll tattooed on me, so. Oh, do you? Yeah. Have you never seen it? Yes, you've seen it. <laughs> yeah, it's rock and roll. But uh, lately, so like I, I had to drive to Memphis to visit my mom and my aunt. And I listened to the Elvis soundtrack for the new movie that came out. So there's this one particular song that uh, it's that's all right. That's all right, mama. That's all right with me. That's all right. But in the movie, it's when he's beginning his residency in Vegas. And so he's like, I'm, it's, it's called the Vegas rehearsal. And so it's him building the song from what it used to be into this big thing. And so he goes through every like, piece of the band from like the the horns to the singers to the drums to all of this and when i heard it i was losing my mind because i mean i'm a music kid and my dad passed that down to me so i'm geeking the fuck out and then i listen i I play it for him and then he starts geeking out and he starts to know these things he's like mom mom you gotta listen to this we gotta play this song and so he's listening to it, and she goes, wait for this part. And I was just like, oh, my God, this is amazing. You know, those are my favorite things. He's always like, rock and roll, Dad. I'm like, yeah. yes. That's bringing up a really interesting question for me, mm-hmm. which is about how we over-identify with our kids. Because that question, is, it's like such a leading question where it's like, I don't mean to fault you. I just mean in general, it sort of, mm-hmm. it's a good, it points out the places where, it's very easy for dads to over-identify with their own kids. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's been just a really tricky question for me, too. It's it's so easy for me to see in other dads with their kids where, you know, where it's like the, the pride gets out of control or you start to feel a little turned off by, like, you know, like the lacrosse dad who's just, like, going absolutely ape shit and screaming and living and dying by their kids lacrosse performance on a Saturday morning, you know, and the uh-huh. 11 year old girls lacrosse team. So 
that's something that I started to see more and more, you know, as my kids get older, like this over identifying with your own kids performance or, you know, for example, I feel myself wanting to brag about my kid's French accent, you know, cause he speaks real good French uh -huh. now in his French class. And that's, I just see it as a warning sign for myself. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like your my own identity cannot be wrapped up in what he is good or not good at. Uh -huh. And I don't want to just blindly influence my kid. Yeah. I, I don't want to do that either. I think where my excitement comes is the sharing in something that we love together. But I do get what you're saying about the over identification with the kids. I mean, I had a, I had a nightmare about my son's hypothetical sports game mm -hmm. because, and like, and it was, it was all centered on a kid being a jerk and the dad like feeding into the kid being a jerk mm -hmm. and me having to do something about it. And in my fear and insecurities, and it was all my fear and insecurities about from the, the stuff that happened to me is yeah as a kid in sports like i don't care if my kid likes sports i don't have to like i'm not going to relive the glory days you know <laughs> with them but right. it's also something that i think about constantly yeah you know as my kid gets older and dealing with those things yeah you know, and, and I want to be supportive and excited about it, but I also don't want to be that dad that's sitting there in the stands trying to be, they want to be on the field more than the kid wants to be on the field. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or it, it's almost like any dad, I just try to listen to any dad talking about a thing that their kid does well. And yeah. I just feel like if I were to be, if I were to say, you know, some kid, I, the, the lacrosse dad's my favorite because I've, I've encountered some intense lacrosse dads with Isabel's league and they're great guys, but I mean, they can just lose themselves completely. Yeah. And mm -hmm. if there's like, a, you know, it's like, it's like the taking offense where, oh, all of a sudden, if I were to say like, well, you know, like your kid didn't do so hot with blank, you know, on the field, it, you know, like the, the defense that creeps, like all the ego that gets involved, it's just mm -hmm. like becomes a super outsized thing. And I think that's what I've just been really, really interested in. Like, how can I be proud of my kid? It made very easy when it's a thing that I have, I, know, I can't understand at all. Like my kid with gaming, you know. He's a very good gamer. And uh -huh. so I can talk about him being a very good gamer. And I'm not identified because I don't give a shit about it. I'm just excited for him. Yeah. And he has a style with gaming, whatever, all these things that are like talked about. And I'm like, uh -huh. awesome, great. I'm not identified. It's easy for me to talk about. So if I start talking about things where I'm good at them and he's good at them, then suddenly, like, if Roy were to come along and be like, well, you know, your kid's actually not doing that great with his French accent, I'd be like, the fuck he's not. You know, I would <laughs> I would feel like there, there would be an emotional rise in me. Yeah. I, You know, I would feel these things happen. So just as a, like, parenting 
problem that I'm not problem, but just a, a question that I'm wrestling with is for sure that, you know, like, how do I, how do I remain detached from this, his performance, especially around a thing that I happen to be good at or not, because I know the difference between enjoying a thing, sharing a love of a thing, Mm-hmm. And then being identified with that we share the love of a thing. Yeah. Well, we get very like, oh, you like that? Oh, my God, I like that, too. Let's go. I'm going to do every, all these things. And all of a sudden, it's like, whoa. It's almost like, calm down. Take a beat. Yeah. That's cool. Like, I'm nervous for the fact of when my kid, when he's like, hey, Dad, I want to learn to play the guitar. Mm-hmm. Or I want to learn to play any of these things that are on the wall. And I'm like, because I've been, there's there's a way that I learned. And I'm going to want to try to teach it to him the way that I was learned, that I was taught. You know, and and that might not be the way he wants to teach it. And then it's like, how do you deal with that? Because it's like, well, if you want to play, you know, I just want to play guitar. It's like, okay, well, that's great. But you got to know this and this and this. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how do I like not like make him feel like he's drinking from a fire hose and suck all the fun out of it? Exactly. You and know? kids aren't idiots. It's like, yeah. oh, I'm talking about this and my dad is suddenly throwing time and happiness and money at it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Maybe I should keep talking about it and doing that. You know, yeah. it's like, uh-huh. and I talk about this other thing and my dad's kind of like, cool, that sounds great, but I'm not getting money or time or happiness out of it. I'm just getting like neutral dad. So yeah, feeding into that uh-huh. loop is also just like a, so <laughs> something that I've been I've been pondering with is the idea of rebellion. Mm-hmm. And so like we're very free, like we're not very like straight laced in this house. Mm-hmm. Neither of us are. And I think like about that will be the rebellion. And I think the rebellion might be I imagine Sperry's polo shirts and like khaki shorts. And how do I many times and how do I, how do I like, like navigate that? Yeah. I'm going to vote for Trump dad and like really mean it. Yeah. And I just like start to like get the like full shakes. It's like, Whoa. Yeah. Okay. So that's the thing you're saying. That's going to make me into my own dad. Yeah. Or my own grandfather. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know? If someone else said it to me, my friend Billy, he's a Trumper. Love that guy. You know? Uh-huh. And we and we have productive political conversations and, and I learn something. I actually yeah. find myself learning and being open and wanting to understand the Republican mindset. It's very good. My own kid says it to me, you know, and suddenly it's like this is a full on rebellion crisis mode. You know, you're it's in a blue like, household. It's like my my idea of him rebelling against us is him like doing nothing but sports <laughs> and like that stuff. And it's like weird, you know, it's weird Bro, to me. I know. Or misogyny. I'm like, yeah. oh god, if my if my son like like mistreated women. I mean that that it would just be the the ultimate end, yeah. man. If I, yeah, or like being being the dick that nobody wants, you know that kid. And I'm just like, oh my god, no, man. I just that's those those are things that will just keep me up at night, and it's silly, but I mean that's those you know that's what it is. No, yeah. What's it, but who knows what it's gonna be? They'll find their way to push a button. Yeah, I know. God, I push so many buttons. Yeah. Uh huh. 
So that's kind of what scares me. What scares you? No, that and, uh, well, that's that exact thing where I just think like I'm I'm sure of the things that he won't be. He will treat women well. He's got a loving mother. He's got a loving sister. He treats you know. And and what if all of a sudden, you know, he like he literally like mistreats a girl or does something violent or does just something unthinkable to me. But you know, in our culture, obviously, this is happening rampantly mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what if he just becomes one of those kids? And I just think, I don't know that I actually have the tools for that. Mm-hmm. I would just go full on, you know, punitive. I would go into hard lockdown, you know, whatever it was, you know, and, and, and mm-hmm. not, I would, I don't know that I would have an, the ability to listen to him if he did something like that. You know, I'm picking an extreme example for myself because I feel my, it boils my blood to think yeah. about him mistreating a girl, a woman, you know? So, so if yeah. it were something like that, I can, that's one of my biggest fears is that I would, there would be no more space in me. Mm-hmm. It would just be a, you're canceled as my son. Yeah. And, uh-huh. and I don't, that is not the answer. Despite the egregiousness of the, yeah. the thing, the, 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 so for me, I, yeah, that, that's probably my best answer for that, where it's just this sort of unthinkable thing and he does it. Um, but I did that to, I mean, I, when I was 17, I shoplifted mm-hmm. and to my dad, that was this egregious, unthinkable thing. Yeah. Shoplifting. And that would, for him, I mean, it was just, I mean, and, and I still have some shame around it, honestly, but I, if he did not, he couldn't cope. He couldn't understand that out of his family and his integrity and his Christianity, came a son who, you know, stole a hundred bucks worth of CDs. CDs. Wow. You stole a hundred bucks worth of CDs? Yeah, I did. That's like nine or 10. It was like, yeah, it was just under the limit of some, there was some statute that I fell under, thank God. Oh, but wow. Yeah, it was, and I got caught red handed, bro. Was it at what, was it a Best Buy? It was at Best Buy. Really? Oh man! Oh, dude, I still—I'm like getting a little bit of the shakes even now. Did you do the Empire Records thing where you put the magnet on the thing to try to like get the security thing? No, I was completed. Did you get the reference Empire Records? Please tell I, me. Of you course, did. one of the greatest movies of all time. Oh, God. But I was not—I was not savvy like the cool kids. Because that Empire kid Records. was like he was running. He he ran yeah, dude, the magnet. Even mag- the nerds in that show were cool. I yeah, mean, that was not my mm-hmm. life. No, no. You know the. Uh, Ethan Embry went to our church. What? Yeah. Really? The guy that's in there. Yeah, he went to our church for a minute. No kidding. Yep. He took he took Liv uh Liv Tyler. Yeah, very yeah. cool. But anyway. God, I do love that film. Yeah. I uh I think about what is it for you? What is it for me? Like the thing that what would he do? So like Or what do you fear? What is the I fear that my kid lacks empathy. Okay. I fear that my kid lords over people and doesn't know his place in the world. That 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 So like I grew up, my dad was a teacher on a teacher's salary, my mom worked when she could. So we lived with not a lot. Mhm. And and we were in places around people that didn't have a lot. And so that in turn exposed me to, if you if you're in a, a lower socioeconomic, you're, you're you're around other cultures, people of color, 
I was around a lot of African Americans, a lot of Hispanics, Asian. I was exposed to a lot of things. And it was a beautiful thing. I look back at it as it 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 exposed me to so much of the world that has allowed me to navigate things a little bit differently. I also understand the idea of struggle, the idea of working, the idea of like all of that stuff. Cause like when I was 15, I had to get a job if I wanted anything. Mm. And so he, where we live now is the opposite of that. Yeah. We are lucky in the fact of like, this is the house that my wife grew up in. When we were lucky enough to, when we moved from Atlanta back up here, she was willing to let us rent it. And then we were lucky in the fact that we could afford to buy it two years ago. We live at the beach. Around us are million dollar homes. Around us are a lot of people that look just like us. And I wonder, I fear that this is cutting the legs out of him, Mm -hmm. out from under him. Mm -hmm. And how do I instill that understanding and that exposure of the world to him? And that he's going to think that, I don't know, that... I don't know. I, I just, I just never, I don't know. I was just exposed to so many things and I don't want to make it sound like I'm, it's not from a place that I'm better than anyone. I just really, I really love the fact that I had that mm-hmm. because it's allowed me to have some kind of self fortitude mm-hmm. and like empathy for others mm-hmm. that, I wonder that he's, and I, I'm scared that he's not going to get that. Yeah. And it, and it, it like, that's what breaks my heart because, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to sit here and like, we just move to, we just take everything and move somewhere else just so he can get that. Right, but it's like, it's like, I love what we have and I love that we can give what we can give to him, but. I don't know. I want him to understand that people are people and people deserve respect and people deserve love. And if someone, if, if you see it and you can do it, then do it. Yeah. On whatever that is, you know, and, and I love that I can give more to him than my parents could give to me at his age. But I also wonder, you know, What's the cost? I guess. Mm-hmm. You know. So. Yeah. Being a parent's not for the timid. Is it? No, oh, it's the best. It is, man. It really is. I didn't want to have kids. I didn't really even under. I didn't even really think about it. Mm-hmm. I think I always thought, oh yeah, I'll have kids. But, I mean, Mariah and I, we basically were like, if if we weren't careful, uh, like, we had kids the second that it was even remotely, uh, yeah, we were just not, 
we were just very fertile and ready to have kids. So <laughs> God bless it. We were very lucky. But like the two times that we thought maybe we missed the window, like, are we on the like, or, you know, it, like we immediately became pregnant. So I, it kind of happened to us. Mm-hmm. And both of us knew that like kids were something we wanted <laughs> as a family, but, but actually having it happen, I just have a lot of empathy for all men who find themselves holding a baby and think what the actual fuck just happened to me. Yeah. And I don't know what it means. And I don't even really care about this baby. I yeah. mean, that was, that was something that I could not believe beforehand that then happened to me later, which was this thing of the, they say like, like, like men just, or fathers are no matter what they're nine months behind because yeah. mm-hmm. they need nine months to physically be with the baby that the mother already has had. Yeah. We're watchers. I told someone we're, we're watchers and observers of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. We're not engaged in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we're not engaged. It's not happening to us. Mm-hmm. It's happening to our wives. Mm-hmm. And we have to, we have to build the connection and to them, the connection is just there. Mm-hmm. And it, it pisses me off to no end. Yeah. Well, it is what it is. Yeah. I just, I, I know what it feels like to uh-huh. be holding a baby and think, what does this have to do with me? And have, and have that need to be a process and a building rather than some organic inborn thing. Yeah. Um, and what it feels like to be alienated to some degree from my own partner, you know, when all of a sudden she, like the 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 light of her attention and love just goes like the eye of Sauron, you know, like yep, like over to the baby, and now the baby is receiving all of that, and I'm just like, whoa, 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 whoa. you were definitely I didn't know this, but you were babying me <laughs> for a couple of years here, and now I'm getting none of that, you know, and and you've got it all for this other creature and. <sighs> That transition is so intense. I I yeah. vividly remember that. Thank you for sharing that because it's something that we all, all of us, deal with. Yeah, we're not. You're not special in the fact that it was because I think about that all the time. Mm. All there there there's this little kid who gets her attention, and yeah. then, you know. And then I, I just want some. Yeah, exactly. And we don't know how to express that except right. saying, come have sex with me right now. Yeah, exactly. When really all we're saying is, hey, I just want you to acknowledge me. Yeah. You know? To be seen. But we don't have the fucking tools and the resources to, to, to voice that in a way that doesn't demean it. Yeah. And doing it the wrong way yeah. can further drive yeah. your wife or spouse to toward the kid or the idea of like i think about how much my wife is touched by like the kid by like her patience and then i want to touch her and it's like this (gasps) Mm -hmm. and it's not it's not that she doesn't want it it's just that she is overstimulated Mm -hmm. and it's taken years to not take that personally. personally yeah you know and there's a lot of guys that can't 
let go of that. And a lot of girl, a lot of women who can't vocalize that. Mm-hmm. And I think that if the more that we talked about that, the more bridges that would be built in that, you know? Oh, definitely. It's definitely one of the greatest lessons that my own spouse uh-huh. has given me is it's it's not personal to you. It's not about you. Yeah. And it's it's hard. I don't know. I, I Once again, this is why I feel like mothers have, are evolved because they have to self-sacrifice just constitutively yeah by you mm-hmm. know just by nature of the the act the reality yeah. of it is self-sacrifice i mean i i i've just never had to live through something like that to give up the shape of my body you know to give up the the sleep of my body all all the things that i take for granted and on a hormonal level yeah you know, yeah it's not fun. being the exactly. same literally it's giving up my own cells so that that the whole that whole idea is so lost on on me generally speaking and i one of the things that mariah has really helped me to understand is is that it in a given situation where i feel upset by something or something's going on this happened the other night at the party you were at uh-huh. you know this this couple moved into the house yeah. and mm-hmm. they they acted really intensely you know you, you can't come through this yard anymore it's not they they did a a thing that hadn't been done in four years and 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 were very very intense and I just made it about me but I haven't had to deal with this before mm-hmm. I've always had access to the beach from my grandma flat yeah I've always I, and Mariah's right there next to me basically being like you have no idea like what this woman is going through. Yeah. Yes, she's being intense. Yes, you could call her a bunch of names and unkind words. And and it probably would sort of accurately describe what's happening right now. Uh-huh. But if you just go one step below that, then you'll find a whole different reality that's driving that behavior. And you can have compassion for that for sure. Because it's yeah. not about you. It's about what she's going through. And she just can't handle this right now. And so that kind of that kind of lesson of it's not about you, it's not personal to you is that's been a huge part of that. Yeah, it would save a lot of things, man. A lot of relationships. It's just so easy because I think we. I feel like sometimes the way the mothers are towards the boys exacerbates that as we're adults. How's you know, that? we just got we got all the attention mm-hmm. and we want it <laughs> and i used to say i used i talk about the cookie you know like we want our cookies like we did something good let's get a cookie mm-hmm. oh wait you cleaned your room oh i'm surprised a boy could clean his room <laughs> reward here's a cookie mm-hmm. and it's like oh i vacuumed so right. let's have sex yeah you know that we want our cookies we always call it prizes yeah what's my prize yeah we want that and it's like we gotta you know shift that um so like what do you think like i don't know how do you find time for yourself being a dad being in this is it a struggle is it easy like what is it uh i have Maybe maybe the opposite question is how do you take time away from yeah how do you take yeah yeah like it's sort of like how do I how do I let go of all my time for myself to uh-huh. give it to my kids maybe is 
I just belong on the other side of things where I, I live a hermit life. I've set up like an office for myself on the beach and I need a lot of time by myself, mm-hmm. you know, to like store up all my energy packs so that I can even do something like this tonight. Um, so I have to really choose to, to, to shine all of that over to my kids on mm-hmm. purpose. Um, so I have to find, I, it's more like I have to find time for them. Um, but that's maybe just because the question is different. Like I, if I put myself in the, sh- in the shoes of a dad for a three and a five year old, which I was, um, then it was a lot about my relationship to my partner mm-hmm. and expressing, being willing to say, this is something I need without shaming myself for vocalizing that. Um, and thinking, I just need to be able to do it all. Um, I, it, it seems like, at least culturally, I remember at the time feeling like women are given um, a lot right now mm-hmm. of a, a, in terms of a voice, uh, which they need to have and they, need to, and they deserve to have um, to say, you know, I need to be able to express my needs. I need to be able to... Uh, share how this is all going for me to have my own voice and to be my own center of power to be my own center of the universe in in a sense i guess what i'm trying to say is that men have dominated that that dialogue for so long and been a patriarchy for so long that when the pendulum shifts it can kind of cause this void of like am i as a man allowed to say that i need something and that's very confusing um even though women need to be able to share equally in all of these things. It's just strange. Even right now I feel my face flushing a little bit because it's such a, it's such a loaded thing to talk about, to say like that a man actually needs something because I so often have heard, well, like men have received everything forever. And, and you know, that's it. That time is over now. And so it seems like what I what I'm I wish for and hope for is a balance, mm-hmm. rather than this like massive pendulum swing. And guess what? If you and I live in the time of the pendulum having swung away, and now we don't have our voice heard, and we feel like left out in the cold, maybe that's just for a few generations of men to have to deal with. I kind of can't accept that theoretically, like because mm-hmm. women have been paying that for thousands of years. So yeah. let's go ahead and just accept that maybe that's where we are now that's hard uh but guess what you know it's been hard for them forever so i'm a little bit in this space of wanting to be able to at least express you know and and mariah has been very patient with me when i say like you know this is something that i need or this is something that i'm trying to find balance in she has been able to do that in the larger cultural zeitgeist that's been a bit more difficult to achieve i yeah i just i do agree on a lot of things that you're saying i don't know if i think where i go is like where is where is it you're voicing your needs is different than what it was if that makes sense like what it was was just a separation men just don't 
they're going to do this and they're going to control. Voicing your needs isn't controlling. If it's, if it's coming from a place of like, for me, like I need, you know, Hey, I need to go to the gym. Like, um, I'm losing it mentally. I need, I need to do this. Mm -hmm. I need to, I need to go. And then coming back and being present is such a building type of thing. Mm -hmm. Instead of saying, nope, I'm going to leave because this isn't, you know, and just, and just leaving. Yeah. I think that's, we don't, we don't need any of that anymore. Mm -hmm. Like we need presence. We need us to be present. We need us to be there. You know, our wives, our kids need, need the men to be present in the family now. Mm-hmm. What's going to help us be more present? Mm-hmm. There are things that we need just as much as they. And I think if we're voicing what we need, we have to be able to be the the ear for what our wives need mm-hmm. at the same time. And also being okay with, here's what I need, and there being a counter offer. Mm-hmm. Hey, how about this? Mm-hmm. Like that, all that does is build bridges. All that does is build communication. All that does is like deepen a foundation. You know, the things that women, the things that what you're saying, those systems need to be broken down into more of a, you know, I look at, is it egalitarian, the word where it's like a more balanced, you know, equal kind of responsibility thing i think that's yeah but i don't think men were getting their needs met they were just getting it was it was something else it was something different it was something different yeah i i'm i'm very grateful to have had mariah instruct me a lot about this Mm -hmm. i just i i am I always get frustrated that I, I don't know, some, it's like this weird piece of my ego that just wants to be assuaged. And it's like sort of like the cookie that you were mm-hmm. talking about. It's like, you're doing a good job of being a sensitive, enlightened, you know, white guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's, here you go. Yeah. Way to go, bud. Great job, white guy. Here's a hefty high five or a thumbs up. I mean, it feels kind of nice to say that out loud. I mean, obviously, like when you say it out loud, it's so nakedly shameful, you know, like, Uh but I, but I'm willing to admit that a lot of that just comes from just wanting to be patted on the back, despite all of my privilege and Mm -hmm. all the things that I've been given, just feeling like I have this sense of, I'm still trying. Can, can anyone acknowledge that it's, that some, that it's a human trying to do a good job here Mm -hmm. and not just read me for a surface you know a demographic and i will and i'll i'll say it again that voicing your needs isn't seeking acknowledgement Mm -hmm. voicing your needs is a coming hopefully coming from a purer place i've learned that you know I need things to be present, but if I get the things that I need, I have to make sure that I'm being present as well. You know, like I can't like, if I like 
recently I've been taking like quarterly day, like every like couple of months I'll take a day and I just leave for the day. Like one time I went to the Outer Banks and one time I, I don't know, I just did whatever I wanted to do because I needed that. I needed that release. I needed that thing. Mm-hmm. But when that's over, I should be coming in refreshed and ready to be there, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's kind of that's kind of where it becomes more about a healing thing and a bridge building thing and less of like, I just need this and I'm going to do blah, 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 blah. Yeah, that's good. That's you know what really I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, man. Yeah, and Mariah will always say that there's... She she wants me to have time like that and wants to make sure that that's happening because of the man she gets back. Mm-hmm. Is, yeah. is a better partner and a better dad. And... But you also, and we also have to let them, when they say, hey, I got to go, you go, all right, see ya. Yeah. You know, because cause they're going to need it as well. Yeah. I've had a lot. I've required a lot being in the the job that I was and mm-hmm. the needs and it's it's an awareness of now being freed of that to being like okay with her getting more now yeah because it took a lot for me to show up to the job mm-hmm. it required a lot from everyone and it was hard and i saw that and so it's like when you get what you need there needs to be awareness of what they need as well and then Mm -hmm. that's when it becomes such a cool thing yeah you know because when 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 both of your needs are getting met it's it's just it's it's rad man yeah it's a rad relationship it's a rad partnership it's a rad life i'm glad we're talking about it because i take it for granted Mm -hmm. what's your role as a dad i think that's the one thing that i think like is your role protector is your role guider is your role like teacher what do you think that is i know i just hit you with something hard no it's okay i mean i i'm I'm grateful for the chance to reflect on it. Mm-hmm. I want to be... I just want to be a stable ground. Yeah. I don't I feel particularly strongly like I need to physically protect my kid or, or shape their belief system or you know, be their, their primary educator. Um, but if they can be received as they are, just as they are, when they come to me, then that'll be good. Mm-hmm. I like that. Well, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you sharing your story, sharing this with me. I don't take it lightly. Anytime anybody comes here and sits in that chair, I, I, I'm very, like, humbled. And It's an amazing device, bro. I mean, to, like, yeah. set up this... It's a construct 
your voice is being recorded, all these things. Yeah. But it's so it's so nice to be confronted and challenged. So uh-huh. thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah, guys. Um, thank you for listening. Remember, I'm just a channel. I'm not the source. And uh, yeah, Andrew, I'm glad glad you were on here. It was awesome. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, dude. Thanks for listening, guys. <laughs>